0: You're listening to the weekly broadcast of Grace Church, an independent Bible teaching church in Wichita Falls, Texas. This week we're continuing our study of the characteristics of a committed follower of Jesus Christ. We're calling, Transformed Through Trust. With this week's message, here's Connections Pastor, Caleb Carmichael.
1: Normally when I'm teaching in this setting, standing here, what I'll do is I'll open with a personal story And I'll try to make you laugh or or connect with me in some way, or maybe I'll try to make you feel some emotion so that you're engaged with what we're about to talk about. This morning, I'm I'm skipping all of that. I'm gonna tell you right up front what I'm trying to do. This morning, we're talking about the Bible. And specifically, we're talking about how we're transformed through trust when it comes to reading scripture. We're talking about how one of the marks of a committed or commissioned disciple is one who spends time regularly reading the Bible. And so up front, what I'm trying to do, my hope and my prayer that I've been praying for you specifically for for several weeks now, my goal this morning is that you would walk out of those doors with a greater desire to read this book, that I'm going to do everything I can to try to convince you that this book is worth reading. And now listen, I'm not naive. (laughs) I know that I'm not that persuasive. Um, I know that for some of you in this room, when I say the Bible, you think of something that's old and antiquated and boring. For some of you, you say, yeah, it's just too confusing. I don't understand it. And then I know for some of you sitting in this room right now, someone, someone dragged you here or maybe you're coming back out of something because if you're honest, someone's hurt you with this book. That they've done things in the name of the Bible says so that hurt you deeply. Deeply. You've experienced church hurt or Christian hurt and someone's slapped a verse on something and said it to you in a moment of pain and you've walked away saying, I want nothing to do with this book. And if that's you, I want you to say, I understand. I understand. And this is a place where you can feel safe and you can take your time to explore what it means to follow Jesus. That There's no pressure on you this morning to do anything that I'm about to say. But what I would hope is that maybe you might consider viewing Scripture in perhaps a different light than you have before. And for others of you, you're here and you're saying, yeah, I, I would like to read Scripture. It's something I'm interested in doing. It's something I want to do. But if, but if I'm honest, it's just, it's too hard to understand. I don't know where to start. It's, it's kind of boring. It's really confusing. And, and maybe, you, you know, like you, you're like me and you started like to read the Bible in a year plans before and you get to like Leviticus and it's the place where all Bible reading plans go to die and you're just like... Eh, Maybe next year. (laughs) Or maybe if you're honest, you're like, yeah, reading the Bible sounds good, but but at the end of the day, I've been chasing my kids around all day, or I was busy at work, or or life's just overwhelming, and and by the end of the day, I'm just done, and, and Netflix and TikTok are way more entertaining, and I would rather do that. And my hope for you this morning is that I might be able to inspire you with what Scripture can be. That I might be able to cast a vision of what Scripture has meant in my own life and in the lives of so many people that I know that that it might encourage you to to give it another shot. And then yet for some of you, I know that I don't have to say a word. That I can just pray and say amen and you're going to walk out of those doors and you're going to read your Bible faithfully every single morning or every single evening like you've done for 20 or 30 or 40 years. That this morning is simply preaching to the choir. And if that's you, what I, I hope for you this morning is that you take some time to reflect, to think back about how God has spoken to you through his word, about how he's changed your life through the words of this book and that you might be encouraged to continue on that same path that you're on. And so here's my plan this morning. I'm gonna spend the first half of our time together talking about why you might read scripture. We're gonna talk about why. Why would you pick this book up and read it? In the second half of my time, we're gonna spend time talking about how you might consider reading scripture. Because I'm aware that it's not that helpful if I sit up here and convince you to read it and then say, all right, go figure it out. So we're going to talk about why, and we're going to talk about how. So we're going to jump straight in. There's going to be several verses that we referenced this morning. Most of them will be on the screens behind me. But I would invite you, if you have your own copy of Scripture, to turn to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, and you can mark your place there, and we'll come back to it later. If you're following along in the Church Center app or the Uversion Bible app, you're following along with our outline, these verses will be there for you as well. If you're here and you don't have your own copy of Scripture, there's some carts at the back of the room, please take a Bible on your way out. It's our gift to you this morning. So as you're finding Psalm 1 to Mark for later, we're going to jump straight in. Why would I read the Bible? One, because it's a source of truth. It claims to be a source, the source of truth that Jesus actually says these words, Jesus in John chapter eight. He said, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So abide is to, to remain, to stay with, to stay connected to. And Jesus is saying, if you're my disciple, you're abiding in my word. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free. And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. A committed disciple is one who abides in Jesus' word, who who reads these words of scripture and remains there, who stays there, who turns back to these things over and over and over again. And Jesus says that these words are truth and that this truth can set you free. And now truth is an ugly word in our world today in this postmodern culture that we live in. it's, It's not a good thing to say that there's an absolute truth. Right? Because there's your truth and then there's my truth. Right? There's, there's her truth and his truth. Everyone has their own truth. And, and what I think is happening when people are saying that is what they're looking for and what they're longing for deeply is a source of freedom. That if I can find my truth, then I can be free because I've defined everything in my world around what, what I think is true and then I'm finding freedom. But what Jesus offers is this paradox he says, real freedom, true freedom, is found in knowing the truth. And I don't know about you, but, but so often the world that we live in feels upside down. and It feels impossible to navigate. To understand it feels impossible to, to sometimes know what the right thing to do is it feels impossible to, to know how to make a wise decision decision and yet scripture offers itself as this source of truth of this foundation that we can build ourselves build our lives upon. And then Jesus talks about how we, we if we're not living in this truth we're not actually free and in fact we're slaves and we're slaves to sin. And that sounds harsh at first but but I can think back on my own life and how many times I've felt trapped, that I felt stuck or miserable or anxious or alone because of decisions that I have made, because of regrets from the choices that I've made to define truth by my own terms, to define right and wrong by my own terms. And then I'm living in the consequences of that sin and I'm stuck there. I'm enslaved to it. And yet Jesus says, I can find freedom and it's found in his words. And so how How is that true? How how is it that truth can offer us freedom? How is it that this book can give us freedom? That Jesus, before he dies, answers this same question. And and before he dies, right right before, he's gathered his disciples around him. It's his last moments of his life. And in these moments, he's giving some instruction and some, some guidance and some encouragement, and he takes a moment to pray for his disciples. But he doesn't just pray for the disciples sitting there in the room. He prays for all of his disciples of all time, which means he's praying for me and he's praying for you. And in the middle of that prayer, he offers us this glimpse into what this means. He says, praying to his heavenly father, sanctify them in the truth that your word is truth. But Jesus is saying God's word is truth, and that by living in it we can be sanctified. Now that's a that's a big church word that, that means set apart, to be changed to be conformed into the image of Christ, that somehow by reading these words and leaning into the truth of them, that we can actually be changed from the inside out. And then it isn't by trying harder to be better, it's simply by abiding with Jesus and his word, that we're changed by filling our minds and our hearts with this truth and that we can be changed through that, that it has the power to change us because it's unlike any other book. And so why would we read scripture? Because it's supernatural. That this book isn't like any other book, that there are many books out there that can inspire us to change, that can motivate us to action, that can spark our imaginations, that can resonate with our souls. And scripture can do all of that, but yet it can do so much more because it's supernatural. The author of Hebrews says this. He says, for the word of God is living and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, it's piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. That this book cuts to our very heart and our soul. That the words of this book are somehow alive, that they are active, that they are doing something in me and something in you when we read them, even if we can't feel it, even if we can't see it, they are cutting to our very core. And I don't know about you but that can be scary to me. Because I know what's at my core sometimes and it isn't always pretty. But I know all of my flaws and all of my failures and all of my insecurities and all of my doubts. And when something exposes all of those things it can feel incredibly vulnerable and so instead of leaning into that I take a step back. But then I think about the husband that I wanna be to my wife Sam. And I think about the father that I want to be to my son, Grayson, and my daughter, Henley. I think about the friend that I want to be in this community. I think about the the change I want to make in the world in the name of Jesus. And I think about that man, and I think about the man that I am, and I think there's no way I can do that on my own. I need supernatural help to get there. And that scripture offers itself as a way that can cut to my very heart and soul. And it can reveal all the areas of my life where I'm still broken. Not to make me feel ashamed, but so that I might bring those before my heavenly father. My heavenly father who loves me. And who's compassionate with me and is patient with me. And is there ready to heal me. And to begin a process of making me whole. And that it's not up to me it's simply by abiding in Jesus and abiding in His Word. So, why would I read Scripture? Because it gives us direction for our life. While Scripture is not written in the style of an instruction manual, it does give us instructions. And it isn't a roadmap that's gonna lay out every turn we need to take in our life, but it, but it does offer us direction. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It does offer some guidance and some direction for our life, but it doesn't do it in the way that I would want it to. See, the way I want it to is I want it to operate like like Google Maps on my phone. Like when I'm trying to get to a destination, I plug it in and it tells me every single turn I need to make. Go four miles this way, exactly, then turn right. And then go seven miles this way, exactly, and then turn left. And then if you do this, if you follow the directions exactly, you'll get to where you want to go. And I wish Scripture did that. And, and, and honestly, sometimes I've tried to make it do that. I'm faced with a difficult decision, Okay, God, I need your help. I need to know where to go. That doesn't make sense, God. I don't, I don't know. God, I, I need your help. And I wish scripture operated like Google Maps, but it doesn't. But it does give us direction. And it gives it to us by giving us wisdom. Wisdom. Scripture is is wisdom literature. It's, It's there to help make us wise, not in the way the world defines wisdom, but in the way the Lord defines wisdom. And what you'll find is the more that you spend time reading scripture, the more you meditate on it, the more you fill your mind with it, the more you will see paths illuminated before you. You'll be able to see a choice and say, that's not the right choice, that's not the right choice. I might have freedom in these choices and they're neither right nor wrong, but here's the wise path for me to take. And what happens is is God works through his word alongside the Holy Spirit, that if you're a believer, we have the Spirit of God living within us that can lead us and to guide us and protect us. And so we read the words that are revealed to us through Scripture. We turn to the Holy Spirit in dependence, and those things work together to guide our lives. It gives us a path. Why would I read Scripture? Because it grounds us. ever felt like life was out of control? You wake up in the morning, you feel like you're just barely hanging on. You feel like each day is just a struggle to get to the end of the day so that you can crash into bed and wake up the next morning and do it all over again. You ever feel like you're just carrying so many burdens? You have so much weight on your shoulders. You feel like you're juggling all the responsibilities of life and that if you mess up just one time, something's gonna fall and your life is gonna come crashing down. The scripture speaks into that and it offers us itself as an anchor to hold you steady in the chaos of life. If you still have Psalm 1 marked in your copy of scripture, I'd invite you to open there. It's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Psalm chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. when the author here is saying the law, he's referencing what we would call the original, uh, first, the first five books of the Old Testament. What we would call the Old Testament, the first five books, would, they would call the law. But for our purposes this morning, I want us to think scripture, to all of scripture. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but instead his delight is in scripture. His delight is in scripture. On his scriptures, he meditates day and night. And somehow the person who does these things is blessed. When you delight and you meditate on scripture, when you delight and meditate on the law, that you will be blessed. But how? Verse three says, he's like a tree, planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does, he prospers. This person is blessed because they're like a tree, and that might not seem like a huge blessing at first. Congratulations, go, be a tree. But what you realize is if you've, if you've meditated on scripture and you've soaked this in and you've seen the connections from the beginning to the end, you realize that this language is Garden of Eden imagery. And when the author is writing these words, he's, he's calling back to the original Garden of Eden and he's calling forward to this new heavens and this new earth where there will be no more pain and suffering and he's channeling both of these ideas here into this idea of that we can be like trees. And in the garden, it was this place where God created and it was good. It was this place where heaven and earth would meet. And in the middle of this garden, there's a tree, the tree of life. It's where life is found, abundant, meaningful, purposeful life. And near this tree, this is in this garden of Eden is where God's presence is. It's where he walks with man, heaven and earth together. And there's a tree and there's a river flowing out from this garden that's watering the entire earth. Earth. It's the source of life for all the earth. And with that imagery in mind, it says when we, when we meditate on Scripture, when we delight in the Lord, we can be like a tree. But not just any trees. Trees that are planted by water. Trees that are sustained. Trees that have access to the source of life at their fingertips. Trees that don't need to worry about stress or drought Trees that don't have to worry about being good enough or trying hard enough or working hard enough simply because simply by being a tree that is connected to the source of life, they will produce fruit. And it's in its season. It isn't all the time. It's at the right time. But the tree doesn't have to worry about that either. That scripture grounds us. It anchors us. And yet the author says he delights in the law and I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't delight in, in law books. I don't, I don't go home and open up um, the, the county's rule book for what it means to live as a citizen in Wichita Falls. I don't open up the state legislator and, and, and delight and meditate on law. I, I don't go home and find rule books and just find joy in them. And yet the author of this says he can do that with Scripture. He says, I delight in the Lord. I delight in the law of the Lord. I I meditate on it. I fill my mind with it. And so what's different about this book that someone can find joy in it? What's different about this book than a rule book that someone can actually take joy and find delight in reading it? See, so far we've seen that Scripture offers itself as truth and that truth can set you free. We've seen that that truth can also change you because that truth is supernatural We've learned how it can give us direction for our life and how it can ground us and anchor us when it feels out of control. And all of those things are true. And we could come up with 10 more things or 20 more things that scripture does for us. But if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, or if you've tuned me out, I want you to lean in right here and listen to this thing. Don't miss this. Why do we read scripture? Because it connects us to someone. What's different about this book than a rule book is this book connects us to someone. It connects us to our Heavenly Father and it connects us to Jesus. And why does that matter? Because the more you know a person, the more or less you can trust them. That the more you know a person, the more or less you can trust them. And here's what I mean by that. My wife, Sam, is the most loyal person that I know. The most loyal person that I know. And if you're in her circle, If you're one of her her people, she will always be there for you. She will show up every single time. It's just how she is. She's the most loyal person I know, sometimes even to a fault. That I've seen people take advantage of her friendship I've seen people take advantage of her time. I've seen people take advantage of her love and her attention, and she will stay loyal and true to them when I long would have written them off. And because I know that about my wife, because I know that's her heart, because I know that's her character, I can trust her deeply. So even when I mess up, even when I'm embarrassed, even when I fail at something, even when I'm the most vulnerable I'm at in my life, I know her character and I know her heart and I've seen her loyalty on display over and over and over again so I can turn to her and trust her. But I didn't always know that about her. That's always been true about her, but I didn't always know that about her. So when we were dating and even early in marriage, right, I'd get jealous when other guys would talk to her or, or I would withhold things about myself because I thought if I, if I reveal this to her and this ugly side of me, this side of me that I'm ashamed about and that I'm embarrassed about, if, if I let her see that, she won't want to be with me anymore. And so I was guarded. But the longer that we've been together and the more that I get to know her, the more that I see that loyalty on display, the more I can trust her the more that I can be vulnerable with her. And the opposite's also true. I've had friends who aren't loyal, and maybe you've been there too. Maybe it's something simple like they're flaky and they just don't keep their commitments, or or they just say yes to something and they don't follow through, or maybe it's something a little more serious. Maybe it's you've trusted a friend with something really tender, really vulnerable, and they've betrayed your trust. Maybe you've, you've trusted someone with your life, you've given to them over and over again, and yet they turn on you, and they stab you in the back. I've had friends like that, and I'm sure you have too. It doesn't mean we can't love those people, it doesn't even mean we might not be friends with them anymore, but what it does mean is we can't trust them because they've revealed their character. So why is it important that we read Scripture? It's because it connects us to someone, and the person it connects us to is our God, and he is trustworthy. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture is found in Exodus chapter 34. And the context for this verse is, is God has just brought his people up out of slavery, out of Egypt. They were in slavery for 400 years and he rescues them. And he brings them out miraculously and then he sets before them, he says, I-, I want you to be my people and I want to use you to be a blessing to the entire world. But because I know that you've been stuck in slavery, you have no idea what it means to live in freedom. So I'm going to give you some guidelines. I'm going to give you some instruction so that you can find life. But he doesn't start there because he knows that that if we are going to trust somebody, we have to see that they're trustworthy. And so what God does is, is as Moses is up on this high place meeting with the Lord, he reveals his character to Moses. He says, this is who I am. And because of this, you can trust me. He says this to Moses. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. These are the very first words that God uses to describe himself. The very first word that God uses to describe himself is merciful. The Hebrew word rahum, it can also be translated compassionate. And if you're here and you've been hurt by church or you've been hurt by Christians or even you feel like you've been hurt by God and you think of God as this angry, who's just ready there to to, to punish you for all the things you've done wrong, God says, No. The first thing you need to know about me is that I'm compassionate that I love you, that I'm overflowing in this steadfast love, this love that doesn't change with the seasons. No, it's there and it will always be there. And I am faithful to you, my people, because I love you and it's who I am. And so we can trust our heavenly father. And so we turn to scripture. It isn't to check something off of a list or it isn't to make God happy with us. It's so that we can learn about who our God is and his character so that we might trust him more. And for some of you in this room, you're, you're, on, you're just a curious disciple. You're, you're someone who hasn't committed to Jesus yet. You're just like, I'm just checking this thing out. I'm not sure what it means to follow Jesus. I, I don't trust God. And I would say, we're so glad you're here. And that part of the Christian journey at some point is, is you're, you're experiencing what it means to follow Jesus. You're learning about what it means to follow Jesus. You're, you're checking this thing out. At some point, you're faced with a decision. Are you gonna trust yourself or are you gonna trust the Lord? And that question is placed before you and if you're here and you've never placed your trust in Jesus, I would invite you to do that right where you're sitting right now. The fundamental story of humanity is that we are broken and we are flawed and because we think we know what's best. We think we can find wisdom and truth on our own and so we abandon God, but he's a compassionate God who loves us and wants to restore us to fellowship. But the only way that we can do that is through trust in Jesus. It's not on our own works, it's not on our own effort. So if you're here and you've never placed your trust in Jesus, I would invite you and encourage you to do it right where you're sitting. That you don't have to say a magic prayer. There aren't any magic words. You don't have to clean your life up first or know all of the answers or have all the right behavior. It's simply trusting Jesus. And the more time that I've spent reading these words, the more I know my God and the more I can trust him. There are still moments that happen in my life every day, every week, every year, where I'm like, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't see it, I don't know where this is going, I don't know why you're working this way, this is not what I would choose for myself. But the more that I know the character of my God, the more that I can say I will trust you anyway. So why study scripture? Because it connects us to our God. And so if I've done anything this morning to convince you, (laughs) anything this morning to have you reconsider that maybe this book is worth reading, maybe it's worth picking up and seeing who this God is, I wanna spend the rest of our time talking about how we do that. And we're gonna go over time and I'm gonna be late and and I'm not that sorry because I think it's important and I think it's worth it. And so if you will, give me your attention. We're gonna talk about how we read this book Because it's one thing to say, yeah, go do it. But I want to give you some tools. And I want to be helpful so that we might read it together. So one, how would we study Scripture? We meditate on it. We meditate on it. And this is a fundamentally different way of viewing Scripture than I grew up with. See, I grew up with Scripture was a rule book or it was an encyclopedia or it was just a list of things to do and not to do. But when I changed my perspective to something that I meditate on, it changed my life. So meditating means, it doesn't mean emptying your mind, it means filling your mind. It means thinking about it throughout the day, processing with it, wrestling with it. See, I used to come to questions in Scripture and be scared of them because I'm like, I don't know if I have an answer. And then I realized sometimes it's designed to make me ask those questions on purpose so that I would meditate, I would wrestle with, I would feel the tension of it, and I would lean in instead of running away. Meditating means it's designed to make us slow down on purpose. That it's not designed to give you all of the answers or all of the meaning on the first read or the 10th read or the 100th read. And because that's true, it can take the pressure off of just reading to finish, of just reading to get it done. That this isn't a checklist, it's a journey. And that you will never arrive that you will never have all of the answers. There will always be new truths to uncover. And so because you will never arrive, you can take your time and you can meditate on scripture. We aren't striving to finish reading the Bible. We are living to progress in the trust of our God. So we meditate. How else do we read scripture? We understand context. And context is so important. You you understand this naturally, right? You can talk to your best friend in one way and say these same exact words to your spouse and the same exact words to like your boss, but you would use them differently and the context matters. We understand that. And context is important when it comes to Scripture as well. See, the Bible was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. It's a collection of writings from a large span of time and locations from many different authors. And each one of those authors was a real person speaking to real people at a real place in time. And so, just like context is important when we're speaking now, context is important to the authors of Scripture. And so, a great thing to do when reading anything in Scripture is to learn the context of the book that you're reading who wrote it? Who were they writing to? What was going on in the world around them at that time? What's the overall message that they are trying to communicate? What genre are they writing in? Poetry and historical accounts are gonna read differently, they're also gonna communicate in different ways. Another thing to understand about context is is language. That scripture was was written in Hebrew and in Greek, um, and, and obviously we're speaking English this morning. the Bible wasn't written in English, that scholars had to come along and translate that into English. And if you're here and and you've studied a a different language, you know how hard translation can be. You know that that a word can mean something, but it also is so much more than just the, the definition of that meaning. It has nuance. It has character. And so translating one word from one language into another word in another language can be challenging. And that's why we have so many different translations in English. And so I'm going to put a chart up on the screen that I hope is helpful to you when it understands when it comes to which English translation you might pick when you're reading Scripture. On one side on the left is is what we would have word for word translations. And this is pretty simple to understand. You take the Hebrew word or the Greek word and you translate it word for word. This Hebrew word is best matched by this English word. We're going to put that word down and then we're going to put that word down. We're going to translate word for word. The benefits of that is you really get the nuance of the original language. You get the nuance of each word, meaning it's very specific to what the original author was trying to say in a word-for-word idea. We teach from one of these. The ESV is the Bible that we teach from, from up here most of the time. The New King James is also a great choice. Those are both word-for-word translations. The problem that you may be aware of if you've ever tried to read one of them is they can feel a little clunky in English. Because what happens is you're not just translating words, you're translating grammar, and you're translating syntax. And so when you translate a different language, it can just feel a little clunky, a little less natural to read. If you move on the other side of that spectrum, you have what's called thought for thought, where instead of taking word for word for word, they take maybe sentence by sentence or paragraph by paragraph, thought for thought, and they translate that into readable, easy to understand English. And what's great about that is it's easier to read. It's easier to engage. It's easier to understand what is being said. There's pros and cons to both sides of those things, uh, but what I would encourage you you as you're picking a translation, don't think of it as there's the best translation. Read from multiple. What I love to do is if I'm studying a passage, I'm really trying to understand it, I'll read a word for word, something like the ESV, the NASB, the New King James. If I'm reading a big passage of Scripture or if I'm, I'm just reading um, just to, to go through and I'm not really studying, I'll read a thought for thought, something like the NIV or the NLT. And then what you can do is you can actually compare them. If you're like, I don't know what this is saying, try a different translation and see how they can compare can help you to understand. Un- understanding context is important when it comes to reading Scripture. A few more things and then we're done but I don't want to send you out without some practical tools, some things that you can have in your hands to walk away with. And so how do we read scripture? We use tools. So if you're following along in the UVersion app, there's a link that will take you to a PDF that has all of these things I'm about to talk about listed. If you have your bulletin, there's, um, there's a, a, a <clears throat> URL that you can type in, your QR code that you can scan. It will also take you to the PDF of all of these things. Okay? So if you're like, I have to scribble all these down, you have them with you. You don't have to write fast but I want to put some tools in your hand. The first one up here is is simply apps. The Uversion Bible app, many of you are using it already this morning, or things like the Bible Project app. They are great resources where you can have scripture in your hand at all times. There's Bible reading plans that will guide you through what it means to read scripture. All of these things are available. They're all free. There's some great apps for you to use. Another great tool is is a study Bible. So instead of just a normal Bible, it's it's a Bible that has footnotes at the bottom where scholars have come in and given you maybe some brief explanation of some confusing passages. At the beginning of each book, they also give you that context we were talking about, who wrote it, when they wrote it, why they were writing. A study Bible is a great resource to have at your disposal. Another thing that I love and recommend to people all the time are Bible Project videos. So you can find those on YouTube or BibleProject.com. They have videos for every single book in the Bible that will give you that big overarching message. If you're a visual learner, they are a great tool to to see Scripture kind of come alive on the screen before you. Highly recommend anything the Bible Project does. Another great resource are commentaries. A uh, commentary is, think like a study Bible, but on steroids. So instead of just a few notes, it's like entire books written about one specific book of the Bible. They can be expensive, but there are some great free resources out there. In the resources in your hand, there's one called Constable's Notes. It's a free online resource. You can access it anywhere you get the Internet. It's a great commentary to walk through every single book of the Bible with a ton of information about what it's actually saying. Another resource is Blue Letter Bible. If you're interested in the, in the languages that we've talked about, Blue Letter Bible will give you information on the Greek and the Hebrew. You can see the original words. You can learn all about those things. At, at that website, again, it's free, free to use for you. And then finally, if you really wanna take a deep dive, uh, you really wanna go far in this, um, there's seminary-level courses, and seminary is, is where pastors go to learn to be trained and equipped and to study scripture. So it's like master's-level, doctorate-level training. And the the beautiful thing about the age we live in in the internet is you can find these things for free. So DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary, has free courses you can take. Bible Project Classroom also has free courses that you can take. And all of these things will equip you to read scripture better, to understand it more. So the last thing I wanna leave you with before we close is this. How would we read scripture? We would read it with other believers. That scripture was meant to be read in community that our discipleship to Jesus wasn't meant to be in isolation. We were meant to do it with other people and that includes reading scripture. Now, see, I grew up being taught to do a quiet time in the morning and if you're not a church kid, like what that means is like you would wake up early and you'd spend five or 10 minutes reading the Bible, five or 10 minutes praying and then you'd go about your day. And and I'm not here to hate on the quiet time. I still have a quiet time every morning. I love my quiet time. (laughs) But, So much of my understanding, so much of the richness of Scripture, so much of the depth of understanding of Scripture comes when I read it with other people. When I can ask questions, when I can process out loud, when I can think through, when when I feel attention and we can wrestle with it together because following Jesus, we do together. And so with all of these things in mind, with all these tools in mind, I want to try to bring it back together with something that you and I can do together as we learn to read Scripture more. I want to invite you to read along with me a Bible reading plan in the Uversion Bible app. So the beautiful thing about the Uversion Bible app is you can read plans and it will lay out the scriptures for you. You don't have to, to remember where you're at each day. As you open the app up, it'll show you where to go, what to read. And they have a plan called how to read the Bible. And I would love for you to do that with me over the next 19 days. So in that QR code that you have in your bulletin or if you're following along in the YouVersion Bible app, there's a link where we can do this together. And so each day it'll prompt us what to read. And there's a place where we can comment together. I would love to read scripture with you over the next several weeks because our discipleship to Jesus is meant to be lived out together.
0: You've been listening to the weekly broadcast of Grace Church, an independent Bible teaching church in Wichita Falls, Texas. You can join us for worship Sunday mornings at our campus on Stone Lake Drive in Wichita Falls. Stream services live online at gracechurch.com or subscribe to our podcast published on Apple, Google, and Spotify. From all of us at Grace Church, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.